Hello, welcome to Baby Boomer's Guide to Life in the 21st Century. I'm Patricia Amphlett, you might know me as Little Patty, and with me, of course, as always, is... Lex Marinos, you may know me as Big Lex. <laughs> Maybe not. And what a pleasure it is to uh, have this very special person to take us to Nostalgia Town today. He's a legendary country and folk singer-songwriter, John Williamson A.M., He enjoys a special connection to the Australian bush, which he has celebrated in music for more than 50 years. A multi-instrumentalist, he is best known for his hit True Blue. John Williamson has sold in excess of 4 million albums. In 1992, he was recognised with the Member of the Order of Australia Medal for service to Australian country music and for stimulating awareness of conservation issues. He is an ARIA Hall of Famer. He's won, wow, 26 Golden Guitar Trophies and three ARIA Music Awards. A big welcome to you, John. Hi, Patricia. How are you? Long time no see. Long time no see. And I think COVID might have had a lot to do with uh, all of us <laughs> being solitary for what seems to have been an inter- eternity. So I know that neither of us has done much work in the last couple of years. So uh, what have you got going on in your life at present? Oh, well, back normal now uh patricia i, I didn't uh miss out on that much i felt by uh it, gee I, you're lucky I was, I was thinking of winding back anyway so uh it gave me a chance to see what it was like uh, with less work so i i quite enjoyed it i've got a farm up uh, above the gold coast so i i developed a lot of things there mm. uh, but my last show recently was in my shed we do a big we do a, t- a long weekend in my shed and <laughs> uh, with 200 people each, Wonderful. each day and uh, all my Australiana collection is in the shed so there's a lot from to look at and it's in one of the most wonderful valleys in Australia than uh, looking over the number bar. Is it a good time to to look backwards a little bit and just uh, you know take, do a bit of stock taking? Where did it all start for you? Where did you grow up? Where What were your early influences? When did you think that's what I want to do? Uh, well it was always my, my main hobby i think my dad played banjo for a start i lived in kwambatuk which is uh, a little town below about 36 miles at the time <laughs> i don't know how many k's it is uh below the murray <laughs> river below swan hill kwambatuk and uh my mum and dad were always involved in the musical things in town which wasn't any big time but still dad played banjo they both had their voices trained so they could uh, they, could, they had beautiful voices and music was really, you know, it was where our life was around music other than being wheat farmers, you know, but uh, that was how we uh, had a good time was playing music. Mm. And I learned, my dad taught me to play the ukulele when I was very young. I taught myself to play harmonica probably about the age of six. Like the music was actually, you know, American musicals mainly, I think, that, they, that mum and dad got involved in. Mm. Um, my dad even en- ended up singing a local production of Pirates of Penzance in in Swan Hill. He was a, a very nice, <laughs> very nice tenor. Mm. Um, yeah. So, but it, but it wasn't until I went to boarding school in Melbourne that I got into the folk scene, and I picked up a guitar, and I was about twelve before that. And uh, it was folk music that really got to me. I was never into rock and roll, being a Mallee boy. So what about your favourite movies and films? Were you a typical teenager in boarding school? Did you like the usual movies or Well, not? when it comes to music, I, you know, it was Oklahoma and 
South Pacific and all those sort of things when I was younger, movies, oh, I don't know, how do you pick your favourite movies? I, I remember seeing Psycho when I was at school. <laughs> <laughs> it affected me badly. <laughs> me too. <laughs> oh, man, Amy, you could have had a totally different ending. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes, Take well, a shower. <laughs> now, you've made many, 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 many trips around Australia over the years have you got a favourite state or is it just you love the lot? You know, they're all different. You know, as long as the people turn up, I'm having a good time, you know, and they're still That's turning it. up. I, I tell you what, I think I made more fuss of in West Australia. I think, you know, that when you go over there, it's like being an overseas artist. You know, they treat you yes. as something special because they don't. And I put a lot of time into West Australia. I toured right along the coast and doing all sorts of horrible hotels and venues, but <clears throat> they, mm. got to, they got to know me from working hard over there and mm. now it's paying off but uh gee you know my favorite venues are just the big ones i guess you know like twin towns in in tweed heads i like the casino in melbourne which mm. i'm about to do actually a couple of nights there mm-hmm. but and and the big festivals you know going to tamworth every year and blues fest is always fantastic i did that this year yeah, mm. that was postponed twice, I think. It's the it's variety that makes it interesting, I think, you know, the variety mm. of audiences. I, I, I guess I don't enjoy clubs as much as I do the theatres. John, I'm, I'm always fascinated by the act of creation. I know everyone approaches it differently and everyone has different methodology. Where do the songs come from? <laughs> do you think, so True Blue, where does that come from? Do you hear a melody and start to put words to it? Do you find words and think that would make a, or a phrase and think I can build a song around that? Is it a conscious act for you or do they just pop into your head? Uh, well, the melody is the easy part. I think it's a good idea. That's the hard part. You know, it was John Singleton and wanted a song called True Blue for a TV show he had very briefly. It was called True Blue Aussies or something. That's when he wanted to use it for the Biostrand campaign. But um, uh, True Blue, I, well, I just sat in the backyard in the suburbs of Sydney and sat down in the backyard around a table and asked myself, what is True Blue? So if you listen to the words, it's really asking the question. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it? Is it me and you? Is it mum and dad? Is it a cockatoo? Because I'm obviously into the bush. You know, what is it that's Australian? And that's how the song came about, just asking the question. Is that the case for most of the songs you write? Is that the way you write them? Or do others just take over and just come out fully formed? Well, it's a good idea that comes out. You know, I I stood out in the veranda up at Springbrook, which is where I'm talking about up above the Gold Coast, and I sat out and it had been raining about three inches. of. You know, I had an enamel cup sitting on the veranda. It was filling up every day. You know, that's inches every day, three or four inches every day. And, mm. I, I, and I just said, I, said, when, when, um, I can't believe it's raining again, I just said to myself. And I thought that could be a title. And I, I wrote, a, that's the latest song mm. I've actually released. And then I started thinking mm-hmm. about how that has affected the farmers, how it's affected the people on the rivers at Lismore and Brisbane and all the rest of it. So there was plenty to write about once I came up with that line, you know. So and all the all the thoughts I had about also being involved in floods on the land because I'm an ex farmer. So all those things come flooding back, you know. So oh, what's another example? Um, Cooter Mundawattle. I, I that's one of my most popular songs. I was in the backyard smelling the Cooter Mundawattle that was in the backyard, and it took me back to my mother who used to take me out at Quambatook to an area outside town that was that uh, certain times of the year when the blossoms were out, all the wildflowers, and it uh, took me back to that. It actually was about 
my uh, my wife at the time going through all the camphor box, looking at all the booties and getting a bit, the baby's booties and things and getting a bit sad about how they've grown up. So you never know what's <laughs> going to come into your mind once you start, really. Mm-hmm. I, I've thought to myself, you know, if Dorothy and McKellar were alive, Oh, you'd make a great songwriting couple, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> you really would. Well, I gave her a plug in Galleries of Pink Glass, you know, so I mentioned one of her lines, you know. I know you have a fabulous family of Meg and uh, Georgie and Amy, and I know Amy reasonably well. I, I Just a little lovely piece of information here. Each year, the, the performers who've been to conflicts, war zones over the last few years march on Anzac Day and uh, very proudly several years ago marched Amy Will- Williamson who'd been to the Middle East mm. and uh, she was very pregnant. <laughs> I think oh, right. that might have been, we were so proud of her and so happy and so were all the soldiers who, in surrounding groups. They thought it was Absolutely marvellous that um, this young Australian performer would still march on Anzac Day. So please give her my love. Well, uh, to coincidence, I've only just spent, uh, I had dinner with her last night. So uh, with both both the girls. So I don't get a chance to see them as much as I, l- I would like with my grandkids. Yeah. But a- Amy's um, gone through a tough time in this business because once you're still, mm. it's still early days for her in a lot of ways. And um, once she's established like you and me, it's not so hard to get the work, mm, I guess. Mm, but um, mm bit tough when you're not up the top yet, you know? Yeah, tough times for many people at the moment with venues mm. closing down during COVID, not reopening. But no. uh, we just hope that we're all around, or in particular the younger performers, that they'll be around in time to get all that great work that we've had over the years. Yes, I think mm. we've been through a lucky period, you know, with the, My the club scene getting stronger. I, I mean, I, I shouldn't knock the clubs because that's where I built my career, really. It was, that's where all the work was, you know, and uh, now the theatres have popped up all along one coast, mm. especially, and um, so many towns have got good theatres now, you know, mm. don't need the clubs, but, but mm. really, uh, without the clubs, I, I probably would have gone back to farming, you know. <laughs> that's an interesting point, John. So apart from venues and different venues developing, what, what are the changes you've seen during your career? What are the significant changes that have happened within the music industry that you can look back on? Uh, well, Lex, I think probably, and I th- I'd like to think I've been part of it, I think our music industry is more Australian and it is getting more Australian as time goes on. You know, you get rappers using Aussie accents now, you know, <laughs> And, and I know... Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I have some young fellows say, come up, they say the way I've done my stuff has influenced them, and I, that makes me feel very proud, you know. So, because, you know, when Patricia and I were going through the industry, like, go back to the early days of, um, of Countdown, uh, I don't know, Patricia might have even done it, mimed overseas yep. artists, mimed them, or that, oh. let alone do covers, they mimed mm. them. Mm. Wow, wow. We didn't have the confidence way back then, no. but... Um, Gosh, we certainly gained some healthy confidence and and forged and formed our own careers despite oh, yeah. the Americans, really. Well, well now we've got an Australian style of rock and roll, really, ACDC right. and all the rest of it, you know, mm. uh, uh, Midnight Oil, but that, mm. that just didn't exist in the early days. And, uh, you know, and of course, a lot of the country singers used to have the American accent. That's changed a lot, you know. Isn't it great? Yeah. Isn't that great when you hear our country singers sing 
just how they talk and instead of ask, it's ask and, yeah, yeah. it's all terrific. It's we'll wonderful. About honky-tonk. But certainly one of the <laughs> things I love about your, your music, John, is that, is that suddenly we're talking about places that I can relate to, Cootamundra, the Mallee. <laughs> Um, you know, instead of Tennessee and Memphis exactly, and, yeah. and Nashville. Gr- New Grand Old Opry, as though <laughs> we're meant to be relating to these things. And it's, <laughs> and it's the idiomatic Australianness. And we've got just as much a variety about as they have, you know, like... A, Absolutely. That's it. That's, Absolutely. You know, every part of Australia is different and the people that come out of those different areas are different too, you know. You, you can almost pick a South Aussie, especially, say, compared to oh, a yeah. North... North Queensland and the South Aussie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I feel very lucky that the period I've been been writing over the fifty two years, I've been able to write about towns that have never been in a song before. You know, so mm. I, I, it was all new ground, and I was able to um, be in there first, if you like, like mm. ra- mm-hmm. raining on the rock, for instance. You know, no, I'd really written a song with a little rue in it almost, you know. I, I just want to give the gig you do at your place up on the Gold Coast a plug and how often do you open your shed for one of a, for people to come in and hear you sing and look at all your memorabilia? Is that an annual event or how often does that happen? Most of them, they keep coming back. <laughs> That's good. It's only 200 each day, you know, so I only do it one weekend a year. Oh, know, wow. And, and because only 200 at a time, it's very personal and, and the, uh, the the really hardcore fans turn up. They come from West Australia everywhere, even from overseas. So, um, Oh, yeah, that's beautiful stuff, and I, yeah. And I have about 20 mates that just come along and help because they love being there anyway. I think if we put John Williamson into our Google, we'll find out where you are, <laughs> won't we? We'll, we'll no find problems. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what a lovely way, that uh, once a year thing. I mean, you can watch each other grow up or grow old, however you want to call it. It's lovely, really lovely stuff. It'll be my last gig when I do my last gig. It'll be in that shed for sure, mm. you know, because mm, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's where <laughs> I want to be. Well, hopefully that's a, that's a way off, yeah. John, <laughs> when you reflect, uh, who, who are the artists who have influenced you? Who's, you know, what's the, what's the song that you thought, Jesus, that's a good song, I wish I'd written it? Yeah. Do you ever have those kind of moments when, when you look back and think, he's a great artist or she's a great artist and I've learned a lot from them? Unconsciously or otherwise? Well, uh, initially, what really got me going was was Joan Baez and Pete Seeger and Bob Dylan, all that mm. period. And uh, you know, Bob Dylan particularly has a a, a wonderful way of lyric that, that taught me a lot. I think, as far as song goes, well, Stan Costa, who wrote seventy seven songs for Slim, uh, you know, listening to his stuff mm. was so parochial and so you know, songs like Fire of Gigi Coles. Uh, uh, Three Rivers Hotel, short of a quid, that's a beauty, you know. Um, mm. And they're all so Aussie, you know. He and I got on really well because he could see I was carrying the, the flag on with him or the, the flame on, if you like, you know, from him. I could see the success of Slim and, and Buddy and, and the people like that. I could see that they were getting through to Aussies, you know, especially in the bush and how, how, much, uh, how many devoted fans they had. And that was because they were singing about who we are. Mm. So that was a big influence, and I've always, you know, if anyone asks me what's the secret of my success, it's been just being honest, being who I am Mm. and singing Mm. about it, you know. Just by the way, another little tidbit, Uh, Bob Dylan is currently touring America and uh, the tour is spasmodically going for months and months, and he's only about (laughs) 81 or 82. It's pretty good, huh? Don't hang up those guitars yet. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, while 
I'm sure you feel the same that uh, while you can do a good job, it's you, it's a hard drug to kick. You know, you, you really just want to, um, yeah, because you get so much back from the audience. You sure do. And, you, and they come up after the show and say how, you know, you make them feel good. I get young blokes to reckon I've, I've helped them get through their hard times and all that sort of stuff. Well, mm. you mm. can't stop doing it while, while it's working. Mm. But if I start forgetting all the lyrics and mm. I get too much arthritis in my fingers, I'll have to give it away. Mm. But it's a matter of slowing down a bit maybe, but... I can't actually see myself retiring completely, no. even if I end up in some little gig down the road, you know. We have the great privilege of, uh, of it's not being work, of we're, we're actually lucky enough to do something we love doing. Mm. Yep. You know, when you think of a, half the world hasn't got any employment whatsoever and they, a lot of the ones that are employed are in jobs they hate doing, how, how lucky are we? Mm. Exactly. Yeah, it's like uh, working all week because you're waiting for the weekend. That's not the way to live. That means like... Five-seventh of your life, you're not really enjoying it, you know. <laughs> we are a bit too lucky. As long as audiences want to hear us and see us and as long as mm. our work is enjoyable and still a challenge, I think that's important that each performance is still a challenge, well, to me anyway. As long as, long as we don't have, a, have to have an injection to do the show. I just saw Elvis, the Elvis movie and it was quite sad. John, on a, on a broader level, how do you do, you, do you maintain good social connections? Is that important to you uh, outside of work? I live live to get with my mates, you know. So uh, I'm contacting them all every day, you know, uh, sharing jokes, and um, I might send a mate a song before anyone else hears it, you know. I mean, John Laws is a good example. He'll get the song first every time because we've been good mates for so long. He plays it without even listening, you know. <laughs> he got a bit of a shock when I sent him vasectomy song a few while ago, but um, <laughs> having friends, you know, I'm sure you most people agree that. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta share your life with other people. You know, that's mm. that's what keeps you going. And you know? sharing mm. laughs, and even when you're feeling a bit bit off, you know, you, you can you gotta have someone to share it with, other than your than your your partner. You know, I think. Wow, well said. Is there a song that you'd like us to say goodbye to you with? We mentioned I've got I've only just released one. I don't know if you've got it. It's called "It's Raining Again." I think that's very appropriate. It's very up to date. It's very up to date and dedicated <laughs> oh. to the, the people at Lismore. And yeah. I gave my fee at Blues Fest to them. I said, you can have it. <laughs> Gosh, they're still doing it hard, aren't they? Well, and and, and, yeah, it'll never stop, you know, like no. for ages. You know, it's easier to forget about them, but they're, they're still really without home, you know, out mm. of home. And, uh, mm. and uh, those places that look after them need the money to keep it going, you know. Well, that's a constant reminder to all of us who are sitting with Roofs that don't leak, and we have walls in our homes. Let's not ever forget them. We've, we really, ne- they will need our help and our understanding for a mm. long while yet. Thanks for joining us today thanks, on um, on Baby Boomer's Guide, and more importantly, thanks for the decades of entertainment and joy and uh, thought you've provoked with us. Thank you for that uh, and the contribution you've made. Thanks so much. Thanks, Lex. I'm actually here under false pretenses, you know, because I was. I was born just before the baby boomers, apparently. Oh, that's all right. We, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doesn't the baby boomers start at the November the 11th, 1945? Because that's when it the does, war ended. But well, I was born on the 1st of November, 1945. <laughs> You're in. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm, I'm ten, 10 days of cheat here. So. Yeah, good on you. <laughs> Thank you, John. Lovely to see Thanks, you. Thanks, John. See you later. All nice, the best, John. Nice to talk to you. See you, Trish. See ya. Bye.